so uh, we're live. Oh, look, it actually is working both. How about that? Is that good, the camera? All right, so first I'm going to talk to uh, everyone watching this live. This is going to be live on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. Actually, does this audio sound weird for you guys? Right? It does. Um, yeah, can you go to the sound guy? He's up the steps to the left and uh, see if he can uh, fix the audio. Um, in the time being, but th this mic is picking up the live, so which is why we're going to have to use it. If not, we'll unplug and we'll use the microphone from my phone, which is streaming. Um, so um, by a show of hands here, who here has done... Uh, who here's been to a, a, a LinkedIn local before? LinkedIn local, W. All right, so overwhelmingly everyone here is new. Is everyone familiar with what LinkedIn local is? No, all right. So out of any platform, unlike Facebook, now if you connect with someone, right, you're going to connect with someone that you've met in person. You're not going to accept friend requests from strangers, even often if they might have something um, in common when it comes to, um, like, even professionally. But if you don't know them, you generally don't accept. LinkedIn is unique. LinkedIn is unique because you're actually going to connect with people. Um, specifically, you're going to connect with people that you don't know. Meaning, you might be connected with people on LinkedIn, and I'm connected with many of you here in this room, and I've never met you until today. And then the question is, why, why is it that I connected with a total stranger first? And more importantly, no, I'm scared of it. More, more here, I'm just going to cut this and we'll use the microphone. That's why I've, been, I've had LinkedIn Live now for over a year. I'm still the only marketer that's not in HR that has these things. I have access to a lot of alphas and betas organically. And uh, I'm really lucky to be able to actually have a special voice and special advantages with LinkedIn because I have that special connection. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about my history with LinkedIn. It actually started in 2003 or four. I was studying finance, international business at the Fox School of Business at Temple University in Philadelphia. 
and I had the best teacher ever who forced everyone to get on LinkedIn when it was just a platform to get hired. That's all it was. It was an HR platform. And uh, I loved it, and I saw it there, how I can connect with people, and it was basically that and messaging. There were no posting. There was nothing, like, it's nothing that is today. And if, if you look at LinkedIn today, two years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to say, it's nothing that is now. So, I mean, there's a lot of, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and I fell in love with the platform. And since I studied finance and went into finance, I continued using LinkedIn as a way just to network and just to, basically to have a digital Rolodex is how I saw it as and increasing my opportunities to be hired um, because I'm connected because that's what LinkedIn was known for. So uh, that's how I got into it. And then once you were able to start posting, I started posting and never looked back. I post on LinkedIn much more than I post on any other platform combined. Um, even personal things that people would think that's more Facebook or Instagram appropriate. Um, I don't care. That's my, that's my, that's where I like to post. That's where I like to engage. And that's where I like to be. I love the platform and I understand it as an American, as someone that's worked at a fortune 500 company or I worked at Xerox, I am able to understand and map out, um, the companies and corporations where people work and how they're connected. I understand that by being in it and I understand the psychology of being able, unlike many Israelis, is actually provide value, be there for you. What can I do to help? Instead of saying, hey, buy my product. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at us. Instead, we're talking about being able to provide value. And so that's what we're here to do, uh, to talk about. Um, I'll let David introduce himself in a moment. Um, and um, yeah, actually, that's uh, we'll talk more about it actually when we talk into the conversation. This is going to be a conversation. We're going to ask for you guys to give your two cents and your feedback. Uh, the reason why I having David to join me uh, in this is because he's been able to grow an audience, a whole different audience than mine, and a whole different method than I, meaning I'm going to be able to learn and I'll be, we'll be able to ask each other some uh, questions too. Um, he also, as we've discussed on our LinkedIn Live, we did a couple days ago in advance of this event, of this meetup, that he sees building an audience and virality more as an art, and I see it more as a science. So you can tell I have the more finance and math background. Um, and him, he'll talk about some other things that he's done differently. Um, so I'll let uh, David Wiseman introduce himself. I want to make sure you touch on, even though it's not LinkedIn, but social media. Is anyone here familiar with um, any of the social media pages called Follow Team Israel? Anyone? Okay, so we got like uh, 10 hands. Great. So if you're not sure, I'll let's speak to it. He's a founder. Basically, it's all of the Israeli um, athletes abroad. It's a, mostly Facebook and Instagram. I follow them strongly on Instagram. It's where you can follow them. I'll let you do the speaking. So go ahead. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you build your audience. And at any moment, if anyone raises your hand, like we're, we're going to go straight to questions. This is a total conversation. So if someone has any questions now or comments, feel free to chime in. It's always a, it's an, it's an open conversation. All right, go ahead. Thank you. And uh, thanks, everyone, for coming. I'm really, really honored that you're all here. And anyone and everyone you know connected me on LinkedIn, I'll accept uh, all uh, notifications as long as you're real um, and if you look like a real person and you don't say that you sort of work for CN uh, CNN and you're based in Antarctica, you know, things like that, you can very, <laughs> you become quite expert and adept at picking out fake. Well, have you ever got a, have you ever got a connection request from Antarctica? Uh, no. But has like, anyone here ever got a connection request from Antarctica? A lot. Yeah? What? Do you remember who or what they did or what? <laughs> but uh, I don't want to like sp uh, single out specific countries, but you sort of uh, become very wary and, it's, like I said, uh, adept at picking out where the fake profiles are coming from. So, 
<laughs> you all uh, seem genuine. And, um, you know, that I just want to touch on something that uh, you all said about a connection. And, you know, I've written a lot about LinkedIn connections, the value of a connection. What is the worth of a connection? What do you do with your connections? At the end of the day, you're going to answer that for yourself. You know, you have a lot of friends, and not all, not all of your friends are the same sort of level. And the, the way I, I um, equated it in my post is, you wouldn't ask every single one of your friends to take you to the airport or pick you up from the airport. You know, there are certain friends that you consider airport friends. There are certain friends that you consider helping you move house with, and you know, so on and so forth. And that is the same thing with the LinkedIn and the connections that you build. Some some of the connections you aren't going to do a lot with, and others, you know, you can have critical business uh, partnerships that can see you scale to the next level. And, and at the end of the day, that's up to you, you know, and what you do with that relationship. It's just the same way that you do with your friendships in real life. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that. So as for me, I'm from Australia. Met Aliara in 2004, been living here since, predominantly in the, the high-tech startup industry, currently working at Five Locks, where I work in digital branding and online reputation management. And... Uh, as you all said, I'm the co-founder of Follow Team Israel with Sharai Pillow, a, a page devoted to sharing the, uh, the stories of Israel sports to the world. And we created that eight years ago because no one was writing about the Israeli athletes in English. And, and there's many sports here that Israelis couldn't care less about. Rugby, netball, uh, a lot of the time, hockey, um, and things like that. They don't pay much attention to women's sport. So we were like, we're going to do it ourselves. And it just grew from there. We actually achieved virality during the Winter Olympics. A number of our views, a number of our videos, sorry, had over a million views. We have crazy screenshots from the time. Like, your uh, weekly views have grown 26.8 million percent. You know, things like that, which was just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, are, you, are you expecting that for um, uh, go, go, go Olympics for baseball? You think you'll get a lot? Well, yeah, I mean, Israel's only going to beat that. Well, first of all, the Olympics. For those that don't. For don't know somehow well there's a reason how because as long as you qualify for citizenship of a country you can represent them in the olympics and so as long as you're jewish you can technically become an israeli citizen so you can be represented so basically a bunch of american jews are playing baseball in the olympics representing israel so i mean if you're in a if you're in a jew in america they this is like, what they met Aliyah, oh did, did they actually yes, have to, have to there you go they made it stuff. so they're also paying the tuachlumi so how you feel for that? Uh, but we're hoping the Olympics actually take place. You know what's happening around the world now is very scary, and, and then deciding to have it in Tokyo. And now, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people are very nervous. Um, but yeah, we expect the page again to hit up to the next level during the Olympics because we we doubled in size. We went from five and a half thousand likes to eleven thousand likes after three days of the Winter Olympics. Um, so that's Facebook and sport. But then my passion about LinkedIn was I realized that I wanted to have an outlet. I'm not really on Facebook sharing political views and getting stuck into sort of my, my election opinion or my opinion about uh, this or that. I just wanted to have a, an outlet where I could sort of write something that would make people think, make them laugh, challenge them. And it's gone on from there. And because of this, LinkedIn sort of offered me the chance where I can write and have subscribers. You know, so you can subscribe to my post and you receive a notification when I, when I write something. I now have 16,000 subscribers. And now because I've sort of hit that level of critical mass, it's sort of, you get that snowball effect. Because every time I'm writing a, a piece, I get, it just gets sent out to that many people. Okay, so let's backtrack to the beginning. You 
how do you start? You want to become a, a voice on LinkedIn. The way you have to do that is you sort of have to think of what's your community going to be? What are you going to write about? What's, what, what do you have passion here about that you think people are going to be interested in? For me, it's combining current events, the news, professional life with our personal life and sort of where, where the, the, the sweet spot of where those three things merge. So, for instance, last week I started off um, talking about the Academy Awards and how Brad Pitt won an award. If you're in the acting industry, you know, you wouldn't begrudge, you know, Brad Pitt winning one. It's not like if, um, and then I equate it to class reunions. You know, sometimes we see that the kid who was eating blue in school is now like the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And we're like, well, how is he here and we're here? Like, what's happened in life? So I said, like, you never begrudge Brad Pitt. And then I used that to sort of write about Fight Club and some of the lessons we can take from Fight Club apply to ourselves and uh well i, I want to touch on that so one of the great way in my opinion one of the best ways in, in general to create content and get some a, a lot of views and engagement is take something in your everyday life and you might see this if you follow me so i i and you and you apply it to or you make a connection or a metaphor to business or to what you're doing or to productivity or to anything that's related that let's say that might be relevant for people to see in your linkedin platform uh, and on their in their newsfeed, so um, just like he might take things like like acting or Fight Club, things I could never be able to tie to something on, let's say, onto LinkedIn, right? But I can I can tie in um, the the agriculture that has me in my house, how they how, how they reap and how they uh, and how you know the reaping the carrots and all of that, or my or my daughters, you know what I mean, and what they're doing and what they're learning and how I learn through them. That might be my story. That might be mine. Yeah. So what you need to do is you need to find out what is it that you love? What are your passions that are not related to business? And why do you like them? And there's a connection between what you do for a living or what you are as a professional or your personality between whatever your hobbies are, whether it's you know binge-watching Friends on Netflix or if you like kicking around a soccer ball or whatever it is. All of these things you're able you have to figure out and actively think how I can connect this into content. <laughs> and by being able to connect this into creating organic content, on LinkedIn, you but it becomes a lot more personal, and you're able to actually build a personal brand. That's really uh, so right. That's really how yeah. you do it. So what, why don't you get into um? So I do a lot of LinkedIn general posts, and you do more of the articles. Yeah. So I, I uh, I'm a big fan of the TV show Succession. Is anyone else out there like Succession, the TV show? What is it? Um, it's a great TV it's show. Australian? No, no, but basically. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about nepotism in the workplace. You know, it has a bad sort of name because often people get jobs they shouldn't have as a result of, uh, you know, their dad or the mum is the boss. And sometimes, you know, it makes sense that if it's going to be a, a family company that it goes from, um, you know, generation to generation. Donald Trump too. So Donald obviously, <laughs> the, co the, the cover image I used for the picture was of uh, the president with Jared Kushner in the background. And so... I got so many comments from people that hadn't even first of all read the article, and they're all saying, "This isn't Facebook. This isn't Facebook. Get off it on Facebook. On Facebook. On Facebook." So what did I do? The next week, uh, I wrote an article saying why this isn't Facebook. And I took a screenshot of one of the negative comments, and that was the cover image for next week. And so the thing is, why I bring this point up is if you are writing things, you know, people have a very rigid um, opinion on LinkedIn. They're like, "This is for work." And Facebook is, is for that sort of stuff. But the thing is, if you want to write and develop your voice, 
it's impossible for you not to sort of enter that Facebook self-publishing blog opinion world because that's that's what you're doing and people are automatically going to think that okay this is like Facebook because the thing is my posts aren't written to sell something there's no call to action except to subscribe to the post that you receive the notification um, or to look at my a link to my online archive all I'm saying is this is something that you want to think about you know this is got nothing to do with my work I'm not doing this to sell my services on you or that you'll become a client it's just about me David and because of that it's in, like I'm saying it's impossible for you not to sort of enter that world um, so that's just something you should be aware of if you're going to be trying to develop your voice on LinkedIn you know and I guess in some ways you know that you're heading down the right track if you're getting engagement if you're getting trolls you know I always say I'm never angry at the trolls because the trolls um, are the sign that you know people are reading it people are engaged engaging. Uh, same goes for haters yeah or the people complain about Facebook not LinkedIn yeah you, so let's just show of hands real fast all right um, who here has posted on LinkedIn the last week okay awesome we got like 75% of the room and how who here has posted something that was not directly related to what they do in the workplace in the workplace right and so um, why don't can, can you guys give an example let's say what you've posted in the last in the last few weeks that was not related to work. Uh, say say your name and what you do. Awesome. And what, what did you write for the text? Just in general. There you go. Okay. And right, good. Is it? Right? It's, it's funny. In other words, anyone else here posting not directly related to work? Yeah, what's up, Mike? Wait, who are you?
So the, the first one I wrote about um, ghosting, ghosting in the workplace. And the, and the way that it came about was I was sitting with my boss and we were talking about a proposal to go out to a, a client because I was sending um, one out to a, <laughs> a, sending out a new proposal and he was giving me a former one that I was going to use as a basis. And he was like, yeah, the problem is I send these out and I never hear back from them. So you don't want to put too much work in it because like it's that sort of saying goodbye. And then a light bulb went on ghosting and you know we know ghosting from the dating world and it's become more prevalent in the um, workforce because of HR people you know does anyone not know what ghosting means in, certain, in this sense so basically you're having ghosting first of all can only exist you have a, a very uh, robust dialogue so you send your your CV to the HR person two minutes later they um, reply to you coming for an interview I want to come in at this time great coming for the interview they you know they basically there's a back and forth they're always replying to your emails and all of that and then suddenly at one stage nothing you don't hear from them anymore and then you call them no answer you've got their phone number you try whatsapp it never goes blue and now you're in this like awkward stalking <laughs> feeling like what do i do and then you know some people if they feel like they don't get it and they think everything went well might turn up to the office which is like the worst thing you could ever do. Like, so wait, so just so people understand, ghosting is basically a, what is it? A lot of back and forth, and then suddenly people pick up the map. Yeah, exactly. And you never hear from them at all. So you wrote about ghosting, and why? Why do you think this one? Uh, because a lot of people use LinkedIn yeah. purely to find jobs, and now they're like, and that you know, and after a while of not finding a job, you get desperate, which fuels the the ghosting even more. It's, it's a downward spiral. Yeah, out of control. Which is why you need to build your brand. Because if you can build your personal brand, then it makes you much more visible to employers first on LinkedIn. I'm talking specifically LinkedIn. You build your brand in general. It's great. Um, because that's where the employer, that's where the recruitment office, that's where they're hanging out. And that's the first place they look. Because the search function on premium for LinkedIn is phenomenal, particularly for they have an HR premium where you can search about uh, from people. It's absolutely astonishing. So, I mean, you want to make sure your brand, that you establish your brand, and you're always in front of the eyes of, of other, let's say, decision makers or recruiters. And what it will do, it will make your value as an individual and as an employer, as a worker, looking for new work much, much higher. Yeah. Additionally, you can, you'll be able to get a lot more offers. You can take that to your current place of employment and say, hey, I have this offer. I would like to get a raise where you can use that. You can say, look, other people are offering me more. People want me. Some of my favorite marketers in Israel are the ones that are, let's say like myself, very flamboyant on LinkedIn. I don't have to tell you who they are. You've seen them in your newsfeed. The flamboyant people on LinkedIn, those are the people that often most get most poached. The one who sticks their head out, the one that you make yourself stick out, those are the ones that are mostly going to come after. Which is why a lot of employers fear you being active on LinkedIn. It's really tragic. Um, uh, ironically, you can do the opposite. Especially if you're a marketer, you can provide more value to the company by and sales or sales, you can buy more value to the company by doing by be engaging on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a client; they just do ads in the cybersecurity space, and um, I don't know why how this happened. They're not paying me for it, but I'm coaching the R&D team to do like a weekly like organic and video to show like what happens behind the scenes because it's very hard, it's very competitive to find good engineers, right? So now they want to make themselves elevate themselves against other people when uh, when you have very good engineers looking for employment. Questions? No, I, I just want to say I got a lot of response from HR people saying, "Hey, hey, hey!" Like it's not just the candidates have been ghosting. We'll like send out a job offer Monday morning, 9 a.m. 
where's where's Bill? That's you know, eleven o'clock. Where's Bill? End of the day. Where's Bill? And basically, the candidate candidates are fighting back and are actually ghosting HR and the company. So that we're seeing it now in, with with both sides. That sort of, you know, if if someone sort of has multiple job offers, they may not say to the other company, "I don't want to accept your offer," or "I accepted it." Are accepted somewhere else now. They're just sort of ghosting the HR people, and I guess they feel uh, that's a bri bridge they can afford to burn. So anyway, I'd written a number of posts before that one that had achieved four thousand, four and a half thousand uh, reactions, and my goal was to get to five. And I knew this one about ghosting was different straight away because after the first day of like uh, fifteen hundred uh, likes, it sort of didn't taper off. It actually fueled. I could sort of sense looking at my notifications that it was now sort of starting to snowball and you can sort of sense when you when you put out any content when it's gone viral is because the notifications are now just happening all the time and you can sort of it's powering itself now in a way you know and it, it feels it feels great so, what, that, so wait, what, what, what do you think catches the eye so and i actually like to hear from you guys when you first post do you ever um, let's say you're checking like, your views and your engagement and you see a much stronger views and engagement, let's say, in the first few hours. Do you see, so we can all use our collective wisdom because we've all posted on LinkedIn, what kind of a post do you think, do you find um, actually gets more virality or more views and likes earlier on? That like when first people see it, they immediately start liking it. Anyone, anyone here seen that theme? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, um, what's so your name? Cyrus, uh, digital marketing manager. Um, so for the company page, we see that guides and infographics, stuff that's educational goes viral a lot faster. Whereas on my own profile, I see all the stuff that's not really work-related, things that more pertain to my hobbies. So I'm really into game development. I follow some game developers on LinkedIn, and when I share that content, I get 10 followers the next day, 10 connection requests. And I don't post very often, so it's a significant increase compared to when I just sh uh, share company content or marketing-related content. Right, ex excellent. So there, there is a theme here about sharing non-work-related things on your personal profile. And about your business page, that's actually really interesting. What yeah. were you saying? What were you saying? You were saying guides and ebooks and things yeah, so do better. Um, right. Uh, what I did was I basically uh, I looked at who our target audience was on LinkedIn and saw what they were sharing. And I specifically looked at what they were sharing outside of their own company. So what, was, what were they sharing that didn't relate to their work directly? Uh, and then based on that, I built up a list after looking at about 100 profiles, uh, a list of, okay, what type of content do they like? And I started making that. And then suddenly we got dozens of organic leads every month from that content, whereas we used to get maybe two or three before that. So a, a problem that I've seen with, people, with companies and people, but more so with companies, they figure everything they're going to post is viral but the thing is they're not building up their community they're not cultivating it and the thing is let's say one out of every 20 pieces goes viral or one out of 30 you need the other 19 you actually have to post them and go through the motions because then you're, you're building up your audience steadily and then you're going to have the right piece of content at the right time and if you're just going to try and bang it out every time and think that that's going to go viral you're not going to have the community to support it because you're going to need the key people liking it and and it's sort of you have to nurture that relationship along the way uh, that's real that's a really good point actually um there's certain people so like you were saying um sorry you're saying there you you connect a lot of gamers and they're yeah. tight-knit community 
so you might get a like or a comment from a gamer, that means many other gamers that you're all connected with are more likely to see it, yep. right? So I want to talk a little bit about LinkedIn's algorithm, uh, which LinkedIn hates that I talk about. But uh, so in short, if let's say um, me and David are connected on LinkedIn, and me and Avner, who heads up our SEO, who's sitting right here, are, are, we're connected on LinkedIn, but the two of them are not connected. If I post something and Avner likes the, likes the post, he's not very likely to see the post in his newsfeed. Have you ever seen in your newsfeed this person liked or this commented on in LinkedIn? It's very regular. There are only two platforms that really encourage push that. One's Twitter and the other's LinkedIn, where you're seeing things from people you don't follow, they're not even a first connection, and you're more likely to see it for virality. So if, let's say, if the three of us were connected, LinkedIn algorithm understands that I know I know him, we know each other, they know each other. So if Avner likes my post, David's more likely to actually see my post than if the two of them weren't connected, even though I'm connected to both of them. Or if I'm connected, we're both connected to Avner, and Avner likes my post, and then um, you're also less likely to than if you're already first connection. But if you're a second connection and both connected to that person, and we have other connections outside of them, many mutual connections, LinkedIn understands if we want to introduce new connections and new information to you in your newsfeed, they want to see it from within a tight network, which is why in general, it's important to find a niche, what could be geographical, it could be whatever, whatever it is, you know, however it is, find kind of a niche that you like of a personality of people that you, that you like and you vibe with, and that's, and you should focus your connections there uh, or your or your organization engagement there. I mean, you should do it everywhere, but you should know, you know, having someone you're randomly connected with in San Francisco, let's say you have four mutual connections, it's extremely unlikely outside of recently being connected that they're ever going to see any of your posts. Because if you, let's say, have 4,000 connections, you're probably about 4,000 followers, all right, and about 4,000. Uh, and so what are the chances you don't see 4,000 people's posts in your newsfeed? So how are they going? What's the algorithm going to serve? This is one of the problems that LinkedIn had when they had a lot of growth early on. In my opinion, they, they kept things chronological. They never actually made a great algorithm that can help you see the things and the people that you're interested with. Like they should have done when people click on a certain hashtag, you know what I mean? That you're more likely to see posts and people using that hashtag, whether they're actively using it in that tweet or not. And then they would have kept more people on. A lot of people like myself kind of got bored of a bunch of these random people that got on early like myself and ended up following like, you know, almost like a thousand people. And now I'm not interested in 90% of them. Right. And it takes so damn long to unfollow someone on Twitter. It's a, it was like too many clicks and it's too much noise. Um, yeah. So what I was going back to what I was saying before, let's say you're a company and you're not so active on social media, but now you're coming up, you've got a big product launch and you want it to be, make a big splash. You know, you want everyone to be excited about it. And now you post about it on Facebook, you post it about LinkedIn, etc. but you get crickets back. Because the thing is, you haven't built up that community. You haven't developed that two-way relationship with them. So no one's going to care. If you, even if you think it's the most uh, innovative product in the world and it's going to change people's lives, if you're not going there post after post, developing that community of yours, People aren't going to care, and it's that's and then companies get upset with their social media team. What's going on? But yeah, you have to put in the reps, time after time after time, to develop it. Nurture it. So the thing is, as you develop your voice, you need to be looking for both quality and quantity of posts. So after I wrote this first one that went viral, the post next week was looking at virality. 
and I made it because sometimes I, I go into the meta uh, sphere and I was I was saying like you just you never know you never know about what time it is the best to post what subject you know you could post at Thursday 3:30 in the morning you know it goes viral you know and you can have every, you have everything synchronized to the minute I don't know what it is the optimum time Tuesday afternoon at like 2:22 or something like that and, and nothing again. You just don't know about these things. And so the second one I wrote uh, that went viral was actually, again, quite meta. I hadn't written for three weeks, which was very unusual. And I was like, I cannot go a fourth week without writing. So I was inspired to write about that. And I wrote about procrastination. And again, that got over 10,000 um, likes. And I think the thing is, that is something that's universal to all of us. And it's something especially especially applicable to the work environment. You know, we have things that are always on our task list. They never get off our to-do list. It's always like today is the day and it's not. And it's always, then it's going to become tomorrow is the day. And then tomorrow is the day I'm going to tick this off the list finally. You know, it never happens. And so I wrote about that and dealing with it. I, I had like a, a nice image, a, uh, you know, a pithy title, Start Your Engines. I think it was around the time of the Indy 500 as well. And, and that was something, again, very sort of innocent, completely applicable to professional life, but in a way that people aren't sort of expecting or normally discussing. You know, no one really talks about, well, how do you deal with procrastination? Even though it's something that is really so prevalent in our life, you know, trying to become more productive. And I think that was the reason why people really uh, responded to that. So that was uh, interesting. And I guess... You know, also after having the long break, um, was uh, quite enlightening. So actually, uh, last week, um, my my posts on LinkedIn. I, I was in I was in the states last week for for a full week, and um, I was posting at different times than I would usually. Uh, I was jet lagged, so I was posting at usually like five thirty in the morning and Eastern time, so it's like twelve thirty here. And I noticed that I was getting significantly more views and engagement. So on Thursday. Day after week of posting and seeing maybe like you know I don't know a fifty percent increase, I, I post and I asked if other people were seeing this increase in engagement and of course this post went totally flat. Same time, same thing, you know, both Easter time on here. I've I've tagged less. I've used hashtag like I'm trying to figure it out because I'm always trying to learn the algorithm for me and our clients, right? So we can always better understand it. And it's funny how you can plan and you can start to see a theme and then eventually it it goes flat and then the next one back. You know, the next one back in Israel, you know, or a, a photograph of me and my wife on the airplane does very well. And then, like, you, sometimes you don't know, but there are rules of thumbs, and we'll get more into that. Uh, does anyone have any a, anyone have any experience here with LinkedIn, uh, any of their posts that they felt uh, that did better than average, and they think they might know why, or they, you, you guys have any insights from you? Because you have your picture. Because my picture? Thank you. What can I say? My mother will be happy to hear that. I'll let her know. <laughs> yeah, Mickey. Well, who are you? I'm Mickey. Mickey Wiseman. So, um, pictures in general. Uh -huh. So, if uh, we did any posts on webinars that didn't have an image, we would just post a bar. An upcoming webinar with an image, that one was more successful. But our most successful posts are employee spotlight posts. Right. Where we're recognizing uh, someone from our team. And in including their quote that a colleague put in and why it's being recognized. And that gets not just the employees involved, which 
institutions joint advocacy, but also the customers working with them also responding to and so do these do are your employees connected with your customers you're hoping right so a lot of employers try not to push and brand their people through there and that's one of the reasons why you should is because if you're for an example like this if they're if your employees like a post and you're connected to your employees if a few employees like it they're more likely to see um someone that's shared from a uh from a, a company page as opposed to a personal and you know, one thing I would uh, add from my own perspective is that you know, despite sometimes the LinkedIn interface is quite difficult, reading the comments and things is like it. I try and loop back with every single person who's written a comment or liked it, and that way you can sort of fuel fuel your base, grow your community, um, that you're going to get them more engaged. And I guess because you're developing this two-way uh, relationship, it's only going to be beneficial to the algorithms. You know that they're going to see your stuff next time because, you know, you've developed this uh, relationship. And I think what you touched on, Mickey, is a great point. You know, people love stories. People love reading about their colleagues, their friends, what they're up to. It's sort of very exciting to see that, you know, that, uh, you know, someone they, they, they know and what they're doing. So I think that's a great source of, of content. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. What, yeah, photo versus video? Right. I mean, so I have personally not done animation, so I can't, I can't answer for that. Uh, my experience with animations are for company pages, um, and uh, I, I think it's more about the quality of the content for that, so I don't want to address that because I don't think I have enough experience. In general, I find photos to do better only because of our attention span. Just like for companies for lead generation forms, the lead generation, banners, images do much better than videos when it actually comes to conversions. I'm not talking about actual, let's say, engagement rate or uh, or getting the message out deeper, better, building a better relationship with the viewer. Because just like if in marketing, if you send someone to a landing page, often we remove the, the header, right? So we don't want them to navigate away. And the thing about if your goal is to collect leads on LinkedIn, um, getting an image um, is it more faster to, to click to the landing page of lead generation form and convert. I know I'm talking lead gen more than engagement. I'll get I'll address that in a minute. Then if it was a video, because often they get sucked in, and then quickly get bored, and then they continue scrolling. So I mean I so 100 percent and I mean or 100 percent, but more than not at least for company pages or even if you're advertising as an individual that's like your company page. Um, I find for conversions and lead generation, static images or short gifs will do better than videos. When it comes to um, when it comes to content, I have a mixed bag. I mean, ninety percent of you know, for every one video, I probably have like eight or nine pictures. So I mean, my let's see, my my data is a little isn't so clear. But when I'm thinking about it now, most of um, I do videos for myself one of two ways. Either I'm interviewing someone, um, and then it has to be extremely entertaining. It doesn't matter what I'm talking about. So I have a video from I was drinking with a friend of mine who's one of the world's lead perfumologists, he makes perfume. 
and I'll be putting this up, and it was in Philly, and we were wasted. Now, this is going to be highly entertaining. So I'm specifically going to see the engagement. I'll keep an eye out on it. So that's one way. And he's not network friendly. So that's not his face. So I won't get much unless they tagging him. Oh, right. It's not the right audience, but it should be interesting. The, the other time is when I'm holding a video a camera to my face and I'm talking about how to use LinkedIn ads for your business or some or LinkedIn in general. So those are the two. Usually I'm providing extreme value or entertaining with another person. Uh, having someone else in and it has to be a great conversation. I generally find to be better, but in but your brand needs a core, and my core is LinkedIn, and LinkedIn ads is our brand. That's what we're better at than anyone else. So I have to, even though those often do not do as well as other posts of like other videos of interviewing people, or doesn't do as well as other posts of like uh, pictures and things that aren't directly related to professional your professional life, like we talked about earlier. Um, it's still very important because you don't want to lose your brand. It's very easy to get caught up on what does better, but it's important that you bring it all back home and focus on what you're doing in the workforce. And I'm on personal, uh, personal development. Yeah. What's your name? Ken. What's up? Ken what? Ken Rice Nice to meet you. So, my question is, what's worse better? Curating content or uploading your own media? Something that I always think about because I try to be highly productive when I'm making stuff and give my own insights. And should I share a link or upload a Ayala, do you want to answer this one? Uh, Ayala leads our cybersecurity influencer platform. We have an influencer platform for cybersecurity, and we talk about this uh, all the time. What's this better, a link or organic? Um, oh, organic. Organic, always. Uh, every time. And then what is the worst? <laughs> a, a link? <laughs> no, of something else. Uh, no. Yeah. A share. Oh, the share. share. So sharing gets very little views and engagement, and I have a reason why. I'll touch that in a minute, why share stuff. Um, I, I have, I think I know why, and it's unique to LinkedIn. Um, come up, giving a link isn't, which is why you'll see the marketers will write like a yell. It says often when she writes about cybersecurity marketing, she puts you know link in the comments because it because why Facebook, LinkedIn, they don't want to send you off platform, so they know you're embedding a link, and so they're going to penalize you. But if you put in the comments, you'll get penalized. In my opinion, the reason why shares suck or why LinkedIn, let's say, suppresses them, is that you can share something around, like, I can have, like, the Wadi digital team, I mean, we, we have great reach, and we take LinkedIn ser more serious than anyone else, as an individual level, too. We're all very active. I mean, but if we all say, hey, let's all share this new blog or this whatever, or it's the LinkedIn will know, oh, a lot of people are sharing it, obviously, um, this is my guess, I have no proof. Uh, what I do know, I do have proof is that shares are terrible for views and engagement. But I think they see that, like, oh, there's a lot of shares. There's kind of, like, people are messaging, hey, share my content. Or there might just be a lot of employees, this and that. And it's actually not good for what actually people want to see. That's my opinion. I don't, I don't know if that's the reason. But, uh, but I do know that 100% shares in general do not do as well as literally just reposting the same post. Um, yeah, but if I could just add, there's no reason why you can't have do all of the above. Do sure. all of them. And if, if I'm saying, if this was all that you were posting, it might look a bit strange if, like, on Monday you posted it and on Wednesday you posted it in a different way. If you had different posts between them, it might be like, in case you missed it, or you don't even have to reference that. You could just sort of do it again. Because the thing is, people aren't going to see it. Everyone isn't going to see the same post all the time anyway. So you can sort of assume that you have a different audience for each of your posts every time. So why not say, 
I can take this piece of content, repackage it, repurpose it, get three to four posts out of it. I'm not locked into like one and done. Does that answer your question? So th that's some of the science. Is that, uh, Confirm, right. Does anyone disagree? Anyone have any contrary? Or has anyone else seen the same thing? That shares or links do not do as well as organic content? So often if there's like a, a blog I want to share and it will populate a link or something, I might just screenshot that and then just save in my desktop, upload it as an image, and then put the link in the comment. If you really want to share, like, if you really care about the reach, if, I mean, four out of five times at least when I'm sharing links, I don't do that. But if I really think this is important for people to see, I want more people to see it, um, then, then, yeah. So, I mean, that's one way to, it's very helpful. Yeah, what's up? Okay, so when you're sharing links, you can pull in the graphic and the uh, meta tag details of that link. I think that's really helpful if you're not going to create a graphic for your post. Right. And you're saying, no, don't put the link in your post, or yes, and then delete that link as soon as it's in the content, and then put it in the comments. No, 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 no. Do not put, oh, for, you know, I'm not saying don't do it. There are many reasons to do it, and I regularly do it. I mean, Saturday night, I posted a uh, video to YouTube about customer service for my favorite YouTuber, right? So, like, I, I will share links, right? Um, but what I'm saying is, if you share any link that reached anyone off of LinkedIn, you will get less reach than if you didn't. Now, let's say you want to share a link and it's important for you. You what you could do is what I do is is you if you happen to have the, if it's for your business you might have it in your drive or whatever you're using. Um, so you probably have that you might have the image stored and upload it. Write your text and then put the link in the comments and write link in comments to continue reading in the comments. First thing. Or what you can do when I get really lazy, which happens regularly. I'll take this uh, the snippet tool, the piece you know what I'm talking about. It's like one second, open the snippet. I'll I'll uh, I'll go to the blog which I'll have open because I'm sharing it. I'll snippet the image it's going to grab, and I'll just save it. I'll save it to my downloads, my you know where I'll, I'll I never have to use it again. One time, upload the image, and it looks like it just doesn't show where it's coming from, and I'll write link in the comments. Can you use the experience picture from the image? Yeah, and that's annoying. Correct, but it, I specifically write the link is in the comments. Not you know, misleading. Not, yeah, the first comment. Yeah, that's not getting reads. I mean, not having reads the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you get like. That's fine. Those people aren't. Those people are not. That you're right, and that might. Yeah, yeah, job. No, you're absolutely right. No, no, you're, you're no, you are right. You're you're right. Those those people aren't my audience, so I don't do it that way. I people that want long term content and don't want to make a connection with me. Like I'm a huge people person. If you couldn't tell, like I love people, and I'm trying to make those connections. I like long longer form content. I'm one of those people that can, you know, I listen to podcasts, YouTube. I love the long form content. I love going deep into things. So if you're just, you know, quick to click, if those are the people that you're looking for, even if you're doing lead gen, those are end up being crappier leads, generally speaking. You might, you know, than, than quality leads. But in general, I find for the people I'm trying to engage with is I like to make longer content and I'll share more of my, uh, what I want in the post. And I will end with and they need to read it. Link in the car to continue read, you know, to learn more about whatever. Sure, we don't, we don't argue about that. Mm -hmm. I do that as a disclaimer. What you're saying is very true. Is that the fact that you're screenshotting something that looks like clickable, because it's beyond, you know. What do you mean it's beyond? It goes one step ahead, you know, in terms of yeah, right. Um, and you can do say comments 
uh, you know, link is on and that makes sense, but right. it, it looks like it's been. Well, I mean, it doesn't have the link under that says it's a link. It doesn't have the bold black it doesn't headline. It doesn't have the bold headline that okay. populates. It doesn't, it doesn't have it so it's clear that it's okay. not. No, it's not. Uh, it's clear to us. It's not clear to the people who are not. So let, let's just no, think. Everyone take out your phone. Go to the LinkedIn app. Come on, we're. Significant reach. Significant reach. Guys, take out your LinkedIn. Go to your newsfeed. All right? Go go on your phone. People are overwhelmingly consuming on mobile. Scroll through. What percentage are you seeing on your newsfeed are actually images or videos, not the text? Because if you have the text, even if it's long-form text, whether you share a link or not, it's got dot, 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 read more. So it's truncated. You see you all live. That's good. What do you mean? How many? I'm just saying. What? Your your real estate on your phone, on your on your newsfeed, overwhelmingly or a strong amount of it is actually taken up more by images or videos than it is the actual text. Correct? Yes. Okay. So I I know this. Therefore, what catches the eye, even for ads or you've anything, first the image, then they read the text, and then the headline usually, but definitely the image captures them first. So, okay, so I want the benefit of the image, and I want the benefits of the content that I'm, I'm writing, and I want the benefits of the reach of it not being a link. So I get all three, and you can too. And sometimes when you, <laughs> sometimes when you post, uh, My my goal is what I care most. Ninety-five percent of the time that I share, uh, I don't know, that overwhelmingly time when I share a link, I want to provide my value in my two cents, and therefore the text is far more important. And people seeing that is important for me. If that's not important for you and you don't want to do it, then don't do it. If, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't, don't. But I am telling you for a fact that sharing without a link will do better than sharing with a link. So I would just yeah. add, wait, I would just add that, you know, you're not always going to get a quality and quantity of traffic. And sometimes there's going to be a trade-off. Now, you all have got very clear uh, priorities, like what he, what, what he wants in terms of quality versus that's something for you to decide whether you want more traffic that isn't as uh, relevant, that isn't coming through the, the funnel as much, or do you want uh, less traffic that is of a higher quality? You know, and, and you're going to work that out as you curate, you post more. It's something that you're going to determine, and hopefully after a while you're going to get both the quality and the quantity. Um, but till you get there, because sometimes you do have to make a, a compromise on what you're going to give up. Sorry, what were you? Yeah, I just wanted to add, um, so we experimented with what works best in terms of reach, listener rate, et cetera, on LinkedIn for our posts. And one thing that we do that completely misleads our audience is that on the graphic, we write a, we put a button that says, looks like a button that says download here or download now. And even though we do that, and if you click on an image, it's just going to get bigger and nothing else will happen, people still end up going to the page or downloading the guide or leaving their credentials. Uh, when we do that. 
while that proof that this is a debate, actually, I love that you brought that up, because it's true. It says download now, and you click, and it looks like a button, and, and it's, it's not going to. But, but, but if you're not smart enough to figure it out, then, I mean, you're not going to be qualified to read anyway, even if you're the right persona. Uh, sorry. But uh, Google Ads, LinkedIn Ads, allows you to have a download button that's not clickable on your banner. Google does not. They consider it misleading. So as you can see, there's different platforms, different things. Just like, you know, you can have a, a snippet of like a Google also add their banner as they don't allow like a, the play symbol, like a video, they're going to click it, a video is going to start. They think it's misleading because if you click it, you're going to go to a landing page that has a video. The video isn't going to start playing there. If you click on the banner, you're not going to start downloading it. So uh, just so you get an idea. So obviously there, there is a disagreement of how it is. They're, they're, both, they're both right in the end of the day. My goal here is to help you get more engagement, more views, and build your brand. And that's what I want to help you and us as a community be able to do. And so scientifically, that works better. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, don't do it. Okay, what's, up? what's your name? Shmuel Hirschberg. What's up, Shmuel? I have what do you a question. Do? What? What do you do? Uh, primarily email marketing. I have a question for David. Um, I, saw your, um, I saw you both on, on LinkedIn Live and uh, earlier in the week. I got a chance to look at some of your articles. I think there's 80 something articles, very impressive. And I see you're always using the LinkedIn, what's it called? The LinkedIn articles? Or yeah. Do you have a special name for it? Or? Yeah, no, the articles. LinkedIn articles. Yeah, generic. Through like Pulse, it. through Pulse, so people can subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's your take on posting on LinkedIn's platform as opposed to having your own blog, your own website where you would actually promote, post content on your own site to build up you know, more, more, uh, more content on there? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Well, thank you very much for it. I guess the thing about LinkedIn is that the audience is already there. You know, I was at Content Israel earlier today. They were talking about uh, 600 million users mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. So the thing is, in a way, it's a lot easier for you to sort of go there. You're building up your brand, your LinkedIn uh, profile, and you're sort of connecting and, and interacting with those that are already there. And you know, people say the same thing about Facebook and, uh, you know, Instagram and, and, and all of that. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't really feel that I need my own website. But if I um, if I wanted that, if that was priority, then, yeah, I would definitely shift the content across. It's something that we're also dealing with uh, with Follow Team Israel because basically we're seeding everything to Facebook. Uh, but we're going to be having hopefully our own website in, in time for the Olympics. Uh, it's about five months now. Till the, the Olympics start, but yeah, it's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, one thing to be wary of, though, in terms of uh, SEO, uh, is duplicate content. You never want to start putting your posts verbatim everywhere, all over the place, because they're going to cannibalize each other. Is everyone sort of familiar with the concept of duplicate content and why it's why it's a bad thing? Well, why don't you tell people what it is? So basically, if you put the same, Google's basically trying to find the best results for you. And if you start putting the same thing on the internet, it doesn't, it basically is just going to view them as one result. It's not going to, because it sees that the six things, the five things are all the same thing. And so basically, uh, you, you don't get any value for the additional copies. And what, what we, we see that all the time with press releases. When companies put out a press release, it's the same content. It even runs in newspapers or what have you. 40 newspapers, whatever, the next day it disappears. Because basically Google realizes that this is like fluff on the internet, duplicate content. It has no long-standing resonance, and therefore you want unique content. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you can really write it yeah, and put the words differently, that's fine. Um, but it's something to be wary of. If, 
you know, mm-hmm. and then are you going to do, do have snippets? It, you know, you don't have to, like, you solve one question, and then you have to answer mm-hmm. others as a result of that. You have a paddle? Yeah. Uh, my name's uh, David. What's up, David? How's that beer? I noticed that a lot of PRs are big, uh, and you think of that, actually put this PR and use it as an image on social media, as opposed to releasing a proper update regarding its um, physical health entering into major tournaments. Do you think this could be replacing PR on LinkedIn um, with regards to what you're saying about proper taste and digital content? I mean, as we see, as, as sort of celebrities are developing their own brand, their own channels, which they can push out the content, there's no reason for them to sort of use a middleman anymore. We see that celebrities, particularly using Instagram, you know, most, most of them are on Instagram, writing it as sort of like a text on an Instagram post and putting it out there. And that's how they're getting the message out themselves directly to the fan. They don't need um, anyone anymore. And, and in some ways, it's, it's sort of, People are scared of that because they can go rogue off script and say whatever they want. Um, I don't know. Also, we've been speaking about the Olympics a lot, but you know, coming back to the Olympics, the IOC has very strict rules about what athletes can and can't post uh, during the Olympics. Um, you know, and all, there's also there's the famous example in Australia, the rugby player Israel Folau. You know, he wrote homophobic posts and basically created a worldwide scandal just. Just by just posting these things on Twitter, and now he, he was basically kicked out of playing sport in Australia. He's now um, playing rugby league in uh, France, and so the whole media has followed them just to see what he's doing. You know, and so the thing is, athletes now have that power to basically say what they want whenever they want, and, and celebrities, as we know, have that uh, platform. So for any celebrities that are very vocal on social media, they have a lot of uh, power, and, and as we know. There's no more powerful person than the president of the United States, and how he uses Twitter, it's it's unprecedented. That's right. It's probably one of the best branders in the world, if you like it or not. And and also just another thing, we can see that one person's tweet can influence the stock market. You know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk. a great example, or, or just him getting high with Joe Rogan. Rihanna's with uh, with Snapchat. Right, right. Drop the stock to the Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's things like that all the time. But exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing also you have to... I don't know where they started. You have to realize also while you're creating your own brand and you're also working with companies, you have to be very careful uh, at all times what you're, what you're putting out there. You know, we can't be edgy, you know, especially on Twitter. And again, I wrote a post on LinkedIn about why is it always Twitter that you know the scandals always happen. You know, more so than any of the other platforms, it's always Twitter. So you have to be careful. Like, just if you're on if you're on a Twitter and you've got that tweeting mindset, just sort of think one se- one extra second before you post. And uh, you know, it's sort of less on Instagram and Facebook and, and LinkedIn. But just just be careful because I mean, for me, I don't want to burn any bridges. If you do anything out of line, that's there forever, and that and that's something you have to be careful of, even if you're like getting wasted. Yeah, I, I, but I, Gary Vaynerchuk says you should treat. Uh, uh, I said this before him, but it, it, people listen to him more than me. You should treat LinkedIn like uh, like it's Facebook. 
generally, I mean, there are exceptions. I mean, like, so, you know, stay away from what the politics of religion and sex um, for the most part. Um, but uh, I, I really think it should. So when people complain, like, on your post, like, oh, this isn't Facebook, or, oh, this is that, like, those people are haters. They're so subconscious and they feel so insecure that they don't feel comfortable enough to post on LinkedIn. Or they, they don't, they just don't, they just, you know, they, they might see his tens of thousands of, of likes, right? Um, and uh, and then there's a lot of envy. So I mean, really treating it like uh, Twitter, uh, treating I mean, treating LinkedIn a little more like Facebook. If you share some things on Facebook, consider how you can repurpose it for LinkedIn. To touch on uh, David, was that your name? What you, what you said was um, about people taking pictures of their PR. Yeah, so, so you do in general have like this sort of the previous regime in a proper link, uh, website PR. From the team. Right. To the so I'm seeing I'm seeing more of this. Where people will ironically they'll take a picture if they got posted on print, and they'll post a picture of them in the print, and they'll never even share the link. You can't read it. The text is too small, or they'll just take the headline with their image, and you can read like the first paragraph if you zoom in. But I am seeing more of that, and that will get more reach than if you copy pasted the actual link to the full article online. Yeah. What's your name? My name is uh, Ronan. What's up, Ronan? We're at Higgins Sales. Uh... I have a question for you. You mentioned that uh, in the articles you tell people to subscribe. Now, uh, um, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote my first article. Congratulations. Thank you. I didn't see any subscribe button, but I do see uh, that LinkedIn has something called pulse. So yeah. do you write the link? Uh, can you explain, you know, what are you doing when you're uh, writing an article? Yeah. The price, how do you go through the process of writing an article? So, I, I'm, I'm part of this, uh, I was invited to be part of this group where they had the opportunity to invite people to subscribe. I don't know if it's been fully rolled out yet. All I know is that when I go to my LinkedIn, I have the option to write a sort of a small post on my page which goes in the feed or write an article. Right. And the article is part of my thing. And um, if you go to one of my posts, you'll see then it has the option to subscribe. Um, I guess we have to see if you've been able to do that because as we know with LinkedIn Live and what have you, not everyone has the ability to do it. But let, let's look after and see um, if you can. Uh, but I just, that was your question? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make the point, uh, go back to what we were talking about doing things by mistake. I don't know if anyone has done this, but if you know, you're in the responsible for writing for your um, on social media for your company, just check things one second before you post something that you're not writing something as yourself as the company in the company's account or vice versa has anyone ever done that like really yeah it's it's because there's probably more people here not admitting to it yeah it's something that's like if you've done it if you if you do it as the company and write your own personal stuff that's that's pretty bad uh you want to avoid that um so how do you how do you do the post so what do you do you do you have to log in what is polls what's linkedin polls Right. So, how do you post? So, what? So, I think what went in with that? Right. Correct. I I wanted to help answer his question. He asked about. Okay, but I'll repeat. Oh, okay. 
So real fast, what is your process of, of posting? And I'll talk about my process of posting. Um, and uh, we're actually going to do a cool activity, by the way, soon as we're yeah. going to wrap up soon. Um, so now, like I said, I go to my LinkedIn. I click on write the article. Actually, I have the option of, um, of I have two series. I have words from the wise where I write my thoughts. And sometimes when I interview people, it's words to the wise. So I have the option of clicking one of these or of those two. And then I guess it um, just does it all and it sends it out to the, the people who subscribe. You know, I didn't always put in the, the call to action in the beginning. And then I realized after maybe I should have. So I did that. I do that. I have a link also to my archive. I've, every time I write something, I've created a Google Doc, which is basically available for the world to see. It's like the most liberal setting for Google Doc security. I think you can see it if you click on the, the post. It's like... Available on the internet, basically. That's that's what it is now. It's funny, though, because I still get um, requests from people to, to edit the Google Doc, even though it's available to all. I mean, on view only. Um, so that's that's how I do it. Yeah. Uh, any, anyone have any more questions or comments? Anything that you've learned for specifically from posting? Yeah. Right, because that's not the right. So we we could, if you have a question, we're happy to address it. But the purpose of this conversation is for you to be able to learn to grow an audience and and learn build what brand. build your brand and help you help you find that your post once in a while goes viral. If you have a specific question about LinkedIn and sales, be happy to address it. But that's not. Be human. You can be human on LinkedIn. I mean, in general, which is why I, I stay away from company posts. No one wants to see a logo. They don't know who posted it. They have different motives. It's not individual. At the end of the day, I mean, we're in B2B, right, as in the body digital. That's what we do. Like, But really, we understand B2B is actually H2H, and we understand salespeople. In order to do sales, you really need to make a human-to-human connection. And LinkedIn is an extension or is an extension of that human-to-human connection. So when you do that, reach be be human. Yeah, Pamela. Hey, I guess that's my observation. Um, uh, being someone who I post on LinkedIn just for fun, just to um, build my own personal brand, I guess, uh, whatever that might be today or yesterday or next week. Um, but also to promote my company. And I have found that when I post, if I post the material promoting my company, right? Something that happened at my company under my name. It does better. But uh, yeah. um, tagging the company and the CEO and of course and everybody else, it goes exponentially better than when the company does it because I guess as you said, it's me saying, oh, I'm a person um, expressing my, um, expressing something that happened at my company or there was an event or a this or a that as opposed to like this what is it, a building? Is it a, a right. widget saying we we had an event and, you know, it doesn't, so I guess that's what I'm saying. For those people who are who are also um, trying to, to build up, their, they also represent their, their company, um, social media, that, that there is, as much as you said, that there's a lot of, there can be, the companies are saying, oh, don't use our people, don't use their people, but we have to use the people because if the CEO is posting it, it's 
um, it will get better, better uh, traction than if reach right. Yeah. So, so the thing is, unless you're like Nike, Apple, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, these top household names, people don't really connect with the brand or face of the brand. Um, you know, they're, they're more likely to connect with Richard Branson than they are with Virgin, you know, so on and so forth. And what you say, they, they like your story, they connect with you, it's human. It's hard for them to sort of feel, you know, that the mushy feeling for like around, you know, a company, you know, and yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I, I just want to say, I want to give it a do not. If you are not, you can't, in general, people that have larger followings than most, they hate when they're tagged when they're not relevant. People know you're tagging them in order to be able to read it. If you're not in the picture, if you didn't, in, it, you know, if you didn't learn something from that person, you're really elevating that post is dedicated to elevating that individual uh, or something. But in general, people do not like people know when their brand is being used for you to leverage yourself. So, I mean, it's fine, but it's important that you're leveraging, that you're elevating the other person more than you are yourself. And then that's my rule of thumb. But just so you know, speaking to other influencers on the platform, it, it's it's a frustration. Just like I get a lot of bots, but I get a lot of people trying to tag me so they can get you know thousands of views. Um, it, it's a frustration. So when you do that, it's absolutely fine to tag. Um, make sure it's actually relevant and that individual is the center of your post. Not you're the center of, and then tag someone else. Hey, what do you think about this? When it's often not relevant to that person anyway. You know? um, I could just go to touch on LinkedIn sales though. I mean, that's what I spoke about at the beginning. Like, you've got a connection. What are you going to do with them? How are you going to take it that they go from a stranger that you're connected to to hopefully someone further down the funnel? And, you know, that's something you just have to go with your instincts and your gut how, it, how it's going to evolve. Like, are you going to connect them and then straight away, boom, hit them with the pitch? I want to show you something. You know, can we meet? Da, da, da. Or are you going to sort of build up the relationship, I don't know, talking about the weather and general stuff, and then sort of lead up to it. And in some ways, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You don't know how or where the relationship is going to lead. You just, like I said, you have to trust your instincts to say, this is the appropriate time to mention this in this way. And, you know, if you connect with some someone and you try and push something on them straight away, you know, they might like that. You haven't wasted their time. But on the other hand, they might think that you're sort of coming too uh, heavy onto them. You know, there was someone I connected with, and I don't really use LinkedIn for anything, but I sort of wanted something where she could help me with. And I asked her, and then she actually uh, unconnected with me. And she, she said, yeah, I, like, I didn't know this is, this is where I was going to go. Um, and this is something that can happen to you. It can happen to anyone. Has, has this ever happened to anyone that you've sort of, you've, uh, tried, you've connected with someone, you've try to sort of push the relationship um, further sort of straight away and they've either like ghosted you or unconnected with you? Well, yeah. happened the wrong way that you get in, you know, and you instantly wonder whether this is really a person to change. Because marketers uh, have I mean, used this tool so badly that you, you don't want, people don't want to connect. Yeah. Yeah, and also I've written a post about this, the way LinkedIn is for, for men and for women now. Unfortunately now, people are sort of, they're basically, you know, spamming LinkedIn or sort of they're using it inappropriately to sort of connect with, with females. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a completely different platform if you're a guy or a girl, if you're interested, you can look up the post. 
that one got a lot of uh, interesting comments. Yeah, what's your name? Mark, question about the, an article versus uh, a and post. Yeah. And also, when, when if you do do a post as opposed to articles, but if you really long, really short, is that emoticons in or not? Is it in the two specific categories? So I would answer by saying, do you don't don't answer that in isolation. Do you have a whole contact calendar that's sort of planned out? You know that it's it's going to be one in a series. If it's just some random post, you know that some, an article caught your attention, and you want to write about it now. Just go for it. Don't don't overanalyze. Just do what comes naturally. If it's if it's you know something in your company, you've got a, a whole calendar. Then yeah, think it out. Go for it. You got to think of the artwork, of the title, the call to action, and all of that. Um, uh, how, would you, what would you well, how often is too often to post? Is this, this a, you want to guess my answer? Your company? Is this for your company? Uh, for myself. For yourself. Yeah, what, what, what do you think I'm going to say? Nothing. There's no such thing as too often. In my, I looked at how many connections I have, and let's assume everyone you connect with are automatically a follower, and you get a lot of followers that aren't connected with. And I have a lot of, I see there's a significant amount of people that I'm connected with that unfollow me. I don't care. That's not my audience. People are there to see, to know about me. They connect to me as an individual, as a person, my passion, and my expertise in LinkedIn, LinkedIn advertising, and B2B marketing. That's why people follow me. For all those other people, that's fine. They can unfollow them. Some of my favorite personalities, I think they might post too much and it's not relevant to me. Okay, I unfollow them. Or I unfollow them on all platforms but one, let's say. But I think in general, there's no such thing as posting too little. I've recently upped my commitment from... Uh, daily posts organic to twice a day five days a week that's my new goal it's hard because i'm always thinking you know what can i post but i and if i could i would do three a day but i'm trying to do you know i try to do twice a day three days a week once a day the other two days and take it off on the week and on the weekend not post but there is no reason i mean i my i right now the organic reach on linkedin is like unreal i just want to be clear like i don't know if you're aware but the linkedin has been on fire for the last few years. And can I just add, you're like I answered Ben, you're also assuming that everyone, the same audience, is going to see the same post every time. It can be completely different people every oh, time. No, right, at different times of day, right. So they're not always going to see your post. People tell me all the time, uh, people stop me on Rochelle, like, oh, I know you from LinkedIn, and people open and say, all I see is you on LinkedIn. That's fine. I tell them one of two things. Engage with my post more, or they complain, I say, you can just unfollow me. I'm really, I don't take any personal offense, you know what I mean? So, like, I think in general, the more you post, as long as the content is good, valuable, interesting, personal, and you demonstrate that you're vulnerable and a human, which people don't know how to do in general, and on LinkedIn in particular, like, if you can't show that vulnerability, and for people, and I have a lot of clients here, but, like, if you've been on a call with me, you know, I'm very open, very vulnerable, I'll say things that, you know, I often wouldn't want on record, Ayala's laughing because she sits next to me and she knows I say. So, like, just be yourself. Be vulnerable. If you're vulnerable and you're human, no matter how much you post, people are going to want to continue to follow you. And if they're unfollowing you, then what do you care? They're not your target audience anyway. So the, the more the more the merrier, in my opinion. Yeah. If your content's good. Yeah. What's your name in the back? Dan. What's uh, up, Danny? Just going back to what Bay was saying earlier, can you talk a little bit about strategy versus random posting? I mean, you've got the Olympics coming up, so... Do you have a strategy of how often you're going to be posting about Olympics as opposed to random posting 
for yourself or for your company? Encrypting links is just like totally generous. Right. So, I mean, are you posting personally? Is this a question personally or for the company? No, I mean, you could choose one method or the other for a specific thing. Like, if you have an event coming up as opposed to something that you're posting post randomly on content or solutions that they have or products that they have, it's, it's very easy. We can convert, we can, we can uh, advise one. No, I always advise both. You always want to have as many sort of uh, bites to cherry as possible. And you could, you know, you could basically say that we're going to use the random post for something that comes up unscheduled. We'll also schedule posts that will um, be scheduled, and then you can have longer ones that you know are also scheduled. So basically, there's always one that you want to have flexibility, and I, I think that's the, that's the um, that's the the emphasis of any content calendar. You know, you want to have some form of plan. And then life takes over, news happens, and you never know what's going to happen today, tomorrow. You don't want to be locked into your calendar if this groundbreaking news has just happened and everyone's you know, talking about it now and it's relevant. And particularly if they're coming to you because of your thought leadership and want to hear what you've got to say about it, and it's silence because you're locked into the calendar, then that, you know, you've got to be flexible. So I would say plan and also be flexible and have the right to say, okay, we're going to do this now, we're going to do that now. Um, but yeah, it could be uh, organized, but adept. So I'm actually going to take a little different angle. Um, anyone here go to the workout regularly or go to the gym regularly? Okay, and, uh, okay. So now I'm feeling terrible. I should be going to the one. Um, <laughs> uh, and when do you when do you go to the gym? Seven a.m. When? Right, it's the same time. You see, you work it into your schedule and your routine. That's what you need to do with the posting. So if you sit and you have your morning coffee, let's say you get to work, use your coffee and you're chilling a bit, sit in your phone, make a post on LinkedIn. You've got to work it into your schedule. How do you people go to the gym before you do that exercise? You go on your social network. I always forget why I went in it in the first place because there's so much, oh, wow, and then this, and wait a minute, I knew there was something so, I wanted. Right. What I would okay. Well, say some people is, go to the gym and do that too. They just stand uh, around. Yeah. yeah so. with, the, with, <laughs> the, with the tools that are available to schedule all your uh, all your posts at the beginning of the month, you can say, "Listen, it's uh, it's almost going to be the end of February. So now February 27th, we're going to plan all of March. It's locked in. But should anything random happen, you want to deviate from the. I mean, we're not going to deviate. That's going to happen on its own. But here, I can do anything." That happens as it happens. You with me? And so the thing is, the worst thing that happens is like you get to work. And it's like, what are we gonna post today? Like we don't know. So if you've got something scheduled, you can always fall back on that. And if you've got nothing else that happens during the course of the day, okay, you've already got the scheduled post going. So what I have to say that is, from a corporate perspective, I'm a company posting, I'm a platform, I'm scheduled a year in advance on some posts, on some of them quarterly, monthly. And then every week, until then, it's on a personal level. I don't want to sound like that. I no, I was, why, I, I was answering on purely for. Yeah. No, I was answering from the corporate point of view. Oh, okay. From the personal point of view, no. Right to schedule it in advance. No, no, no. no. From, so, to answer that question from the personal point of view, um, you have to have the subject, you have to have the content lined up. I would never write if I wasn't happy with what I was writing. 
Um, if I didn't think it was a flushed out article, you know, I normally post on Tuesdays, and I didn't get last week's article to a, to a place where I was happy with until Thursday. Um, and so that's just myself. And I, I think it's the same. Like, you never want to put put something out there for the sake of posting if you're not entirely comfortable with how it is. If it's fleshed out. Um, if it's providing something that people are going to enjoy. Um, so, yeah. I have a question. I mean, it's just so crazy. I've been looking this up. I'm wondering if anybody else has seen this. Um, I've noticed that in LinkedIn, the, the audience that I get, most uh, engagement, um, leads, um, it's Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And the rest of the week, it's pretty low. I, I, I don't like, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I I don't like that. I don't even like having this conversation. I'll tell you why. When I used to do uh, when I used to do when I used to uh, I used to I used to sell insurance. I did cold calling, so you can probably gonna understand this a little bit of my personality a little bit well enough. And um, there's like the when it comes to sales or let's say cold calling, when's the best time to call? The answer is now. Because there's always now. You're always going to make an excuse. Oh, it's better to go to the gym on an empty stomach. Or I plan on eating a lot of protein at this time, so I'll go to the gym before. And you, you never make it, right? The hardest step is the person out the door. And so in general, okay, those things might be true. Like, so if you're doing it for a business and you're doing a, bu a bunch of posts and you're scheduling a bunch, sure, concentration on Tuesday or Wednesday. But when you have an idea or there's something you want to air, just take out the phone and do it. Literally between your thought and your thumb, there should be, and the LinkedIn, there should be nothing in between. That's my, that's my opinion. Because if not, if you try to schedule when's the best time, what's that? It's not going to happen. If I see a link that's hot and I want to share it, I'll share it. I'm not going to do the snippet thing because it's just, you know what I mean? Uh, it's so it's just like, even though there are times that are better and you try to focus on these, but you need to exercise your brain and your routine into regularly posting, um, regularly posting on LinkedIn. You want to make it as easy as possible. And I think a lot of people here are sort of, they have this uh, disposition to sort of posting four or five. You want to hit that sweet spot between like Israel and the East Coast of America and sort of still Europe if it's like early afternoon. And yeah, I mean, that's just some Michigas, you know, we're, we're carrying around with us. I mean, we don't really it know. It doesn't mean shit. It yeah. doesn't mean, it really doesn't. Because if it carries, it carries. And technically, we have an advantage because we're ahead of, it's us, Europe, and then we have 10 hours of America behind us. So, I mean, we have an advantage of being ahead because, you know, getting early engagement does help. The algorithm does, um, does prove that. And also what I was saying before about virality is that if it fuels that first phase, where it, the point is it's the, the, the time and the day where it gets that second wind, that can actually be critical, not when you post it, but when it's going to go into that next phase of, like, true virality, and that's all going to be, like, 10, 12, 18 hours after you originally posted. So that's also something else to keep in mind. Are there any questions from the live feed? Comments? Just right, comments, yeah. Comments? All right, never mind. That's a little wild. Cold comments. Um, any other questions before we wrap it up? And then we're going to do something really, we're going to get off the live and then we're going to do something uh, unique. Yes. You're writing in the name of the company? Yeah. And also from time to time, if you're on behalf of a company, where they have a few things happening, so they have a proposal of writing a book, and uh, 
That's a good question. I mean, I would tie back into what we discussed earlier with Pamela about you know, how the employees naturally gonna get more attention than the company. But the thing is, if the company doesn't have sort of employees which, which are willing to develop as personalities, then it really has to be the company itself that sort of develops its own brand. And already, if that's the case, if, if it's content in the name of the company and the personality of the company, it's gonna be different than if it's coming from a person. Because ultimately, our content has our DNA on it. You know, I write in my voice, your writes in his voice, so on and so forth. And you basically have to find company voice develop it and often uh, people in marketing sort of use personas or avatars to basically say this is going to be the company voice you know it's a 30 year old woman you know talking like this talking like that and this is how we're going to develop it and, you know a good thing like that is that if, if anyone ever stops writing or someone else does it they can basically continue it in the name of the company because often when people write for the company and develop that voice and that brand and then they leave the company company then you're stuck because now so again everything has got pluses and minuses so if you're forced to to write in the company's voice that's fine just sort of plan ahead and work out who your audience is and the tone that it's going to come from for the company otherwise same thing if you then got to write in the, in the voice of a, of a person think about that what their style is their tone uh, the types of uh, subjects they'll be focusing on, you know, but at the end of the day, it, it all has to be worked back from who your audience is, you know, what sort of content would they like to hear, how would they like to hear it, what sort of things are going to motivate them and fuel them and get them engaged, say, this is interesting, I want to come back more, because I think, you know, one of the great things when um, you're any sort of uh, opinion writer, that when you have your, your audience, they look forward to your article. They want, to, they want to read them. And then they read them twice. And like, then they share them. And basically, they become your ambassadors. So that's what you want to be heading towards. So it's a lot of planning at the start. And then a lot of writing. Keep doing it. Pumping it out. Never be uh, afraid to sort of fail, so to speak. Just, just, like I said, quality and quantity. Uh, we're going to end the live here. Um, if you have any questions, come on after. Can you get an end broadcast on the laptop in the top right? Um, and we'll continue with the questions, and we're going to connect, and we're actually going to do something unique that uh, I've never done. I've never done before. Um, so I'll, this isn't the unique part. We'll do it later.